Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Ah, it's been a crazy couple weeks preaching. You say, why has it been a crazy couple Because like, like, you know, it's just sometimes if you've ever preached, you know there's times where you're really like, this is where I know that I know that I know. And then there's other times it's like, I think, I think, I think, I know where God's going. And you kind of just, and it's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, because I mean, following God is sometimes like following a river. It's, it's not a pond. It's not the Dead Sea, thankfully, right? And sometimes it's like a river, and so you kind of um, have a little bit of ebb and flow. But I, so I was praying this week, and um, I, I really think that I, the Lord was impressing upon me. I'll say it that way, because I mean, sometimes we say, the Lord told me. How many of the Lord didn't tell you? Can we just be sometimes honest enough to say sometimes we've missed it? There are times in my life where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God told me. Then there are other times in my life where I said God told me, and I'm not so sure afterwards that God told me. Amen? All right, some of you don't understand that. But I really believe when we started this, we had done a number of Back in March, we had been out in the parking lot for eight, nine, ten weeks, something like that. We would do an hour in here. We would do a parking lot. Now, let me tell you something. The parking lot was one of the most challenging places to preach because all you see is windshields. Amen. And, um, but I really felt the Lord press upon me to go back and do a message I did in March. And I'm going to do that this morning um, because I know, that I, I know I take the risk of all of you remembering that message vividly. Right? But I really feel it's important on a number of factors. But before I go any further, I want to say to you this morning that I want to answer a question. How should the church pray? You know, we got a crazy era. we got COVID. we got elections coming up. we got this whole election process and everything like that. And uh, how should the church pray? And I'm reminded of the book of Acts. You know, in the book of Acts where Jesus appears to his disciples for 40 days at the beginning of the book of Acts. And he teaches them about the kingdom of God. Listen to me for a moment. How many know this morning that we are not American Christians? How many know we are Christians living in America? We are believers. We are kingdom people living in America. And that is what sets and defines who we are, what we do, how we think, how we pray. All right? We are not American Christians. We are believers living in America. Okay, and what happens all too often is we are allowing America to define our Christianity, and it must not define our Christianity. Our Christianity must be defined by the kingdom of God. And, and so he teaches them about the kingdom for 40 days. And as soon as he's done teaching them about that kingdom for 40 days, they look at him, and this was their question. Is this the moment we get our kingdom back? Is this the moment we get rid of Rome and we get our kingdom back? Is this the moment we get our political power back? And Jesus, because how many know they wanted political power? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times that my father has set, right? He said, but you're going to receive power, but it's not the power you want, it's the power you need. Because what we want in America right now, if we're not careful, the church wants political power. Now listen to me, I got opinions on how I'm going to vote. I know how I'm going to vote. I got political persuasions, don't get me wrong. But understand one thing. I heard this yesterday. I thought it was really good. No matter which side of the aisle you are on, they are both wings of one bird. Whether it's the left wing or the right wing, it's still the same bird in the middle. It's still the kingdoms of the world. Even the best of it is still the kingdoms of the world. And so 
what the church often wants is we're on a quest for political power, thinking somehow if we get political power, then we can legislate our morality. God couldn't legislate his morality in the garden. <laughs> what makes us think we can legislate our morality? And then he says, but the power you want is not the power you need, but you wait because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many know Holy Spirit power is still the power behind the church? Holy Spirit power will always, always be better than political power. And he says to them, but you will receive power. And then with that power, you'll be my witnesses. Witnesses of who? Jesus. Witnesses of a king and kingdom, not of this world. Witnesses in this world. And so, I'm not preaching on this. This is just a total separate thing. All right? This is like going to the smorgasbord for a moment. And so then you fast forward a little bit. Day of Pentecost hits. Holy Spirit baptizes them. Place their blame was shaken. Peter and John go to the temple to pray. It's going to be a day like any other day because now on their way to pray, they're going to heal some beggar. Some crippled beggar is going to be healed. And after they healed that crippled beggar, how many know they got called in front of the corrupt religious institution of the day that then tried to silence them and says, don't you do this anymore, right? They were furious at what had happened, right? Uh, they were furious, okay? The temple police came and arrested them. They put them in jail. They get out of jail, right? And this is how they pray. The church prayed. I'm going to read this to you. They said, Lord Yahweh, you're the Lord of all. Let me tell you something this morning. He's still Lord. He's still Lord this morning, right? You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that's in them. And you spoke by your holy servant David. How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord of Did You understand this morning that what is happening in our world today is the nations raging against God. That's what's going on. If you believe a biblical worldview, there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of God. Right? And I don't care what kingdom of the world you are attached to, it is still a kingdom of the world that derives its influence and its power and its might from lording over, not coming under. All right? And so, and so he's still Lord of all. And David said, how dare the nations rage against you? Their foolish plans are futile. How I many know it's going to end in futility? Right? He said, look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers scheming and conspiring against God and his anointed Messiah. Now watch this. In fact, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Jews and the non-Jews, met together to take their stand against your holy servant, Jesus the Messiah. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny marked out for him. So now, Lord, here's their prayer. Listen to their threats to harm us. Now here's their prayer. Empower us, your servants, to speak the word of God freely and courageously and stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of the Holy Son, Jesus. Here's what they prayed. Their prayer in the midst of this political quagmire with a corrupt religious system, a corrupt political system, and their prayer in the midst of it was, number one, empower us to proclaim the word of God, and two, empower us to demonstrate the power of God. Listen to me, church. The prayer of the church must be in this hour a prayer of proclamation and a prayer of demonstration that people would see the kingdom of God. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, all right? I'm telling you this morning, we are losing if we are. What, what, here's how we want to pray. 
Again, I have political leanings, but that is not my job up here. My job up here is Jesus Christ. But understand this. Understand this. We pray more now sometimes to dictate a political plan or a worldly plan then, Lord, empower us with your word. Empower us to proclaim your word. And how many know we proclaim our word through our mouth and our life? Listen, okay, now I'm, I may be, I'm not preaching on this. But listen to me for just a moment. I had this conversation with a number of our staff this week. There's some things that really bother me right now in our culture of Christianity. It's amazing to me because of our political leanings how quickly we will defend and justify someone shooting and taking another person's life. I said to my wife the other day, we were talking about this. I was sitting on the couch. I said, no, baby, there ain't nothing in this house I'd die for. Or I, there's nothing in this house I would kill for other than you, your grandkids, and Eric and Tony. That's it. That's the only thing I'd kill for. Nothing else. You want, you, you want to come into my house and take my stuff? <laughs> take my stuff. I don't care. You see, because here's the thing. I'm not dying for it. Therefore, I'm not killing for it. I'm not dying to keep my TV. <laughs> I'm not dying to keep my car. I'm not dying to keep my stuff. But I sure ain't killing you either. We have got to get to a place where we have a kingdom perspective and not a democratic or republican perspective. And the moment a tragedy happens and somebody's life gets taken, now all of a sudden we want to support it or we're going to condone it from a political persuasion and not a kingdom persuasion. God wept when people die. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Stop the nonsense. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. We don't support killing. And again, I'm an NRA guy. I like guns. I have guns. But church, church, church. Jesus is, but, but, but they invaded my space. They invaded my rights. Jesus emptied himself of his rights. He emptied himself. Church, come on, church. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking church. Our prayer in this hour must be empower us to proclaim the word of God. Empower us to live the word of God. And empower us to be a demonstration of your healing and your power and signs and wonders. Because when people get healed and people get delivered, nobody can argue that. Okay, I'm done. My political preaching is done for the morning. Now, all of you who are now upset with me, I got something for you. Is there anybody upset with me? <laughs> yeah, like we're going to tell you. Well, see, I really want you to know that I'm really not being that nice to you anyhow. Because there's nothing worse in my life than going into the candy on my, on my table in my office where Karen puts all these Jolly Ranchers and all these things, and I reach in to get a cherry Jolly Rancher, and it's one of those ugly, nasty, darn well watermelon ones. <laughs> Who wants a watermelon Jolly Rancher? You are awesome. See, cherry. They may be, listen to me, it may be red, but it ain't cherry. I'm like going into holiday, I'm going, I'm going into parade. There's my friends from the Sowing Seeds in Belize. 
I got 10, I got 10 bucks that Troy misses this. Oh, you got it. <laughs> now, I would tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go in my office tomorrow and get in that candy, and I'm not going to pick out one of those stupid watermelon ones. I just emptied it out. Come on, let's talk this morning. Let me talk to you about this message. We're living in a time, well, listen to me. We are living in a time of a fractured state. That man, how many know the, the, the church is fractured? The, 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 the nation is fractured. People are fractured, okay? And, and how does this come about? And how do we, what do we do about it, all right? Well, let's talk about it. Um, John, uh, here's this. Uh, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus with her sons. They bowed down and they made a request of him. And he said to her, what do you want? Love this. She says, I want you to command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on their right and one on your left. Man, you gotta love, this is like, this is like a little league mom. Amen. Like my kid's not getting enough playing time. Your kid stinks. <laughs> I wouldn't really say that. They should play at a certain level. Don't get me wrong. But let me tell you something. Sometimes we're not aware of just how good or how bad some of our kids are sometimes. And sometimes we just like don't have a clue. But anyhow, she says, I want this. This is what I want. I want your one on the right and I want one on your left. Okay? Man. And so after hearing this, the ten became indignant with the other two. Right? Because here comes mama. Here comes the two sons. You're the other ten. Let's think about this. And now all of a sudden you hear this. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Like, you arrogant, pompous, little punks. Like, think about it. Right? Because you've got to understand what was, going, what was it that was going on here. How many know this was selfish ambition? This was self-centered ambition that I want this seat. I want that one and I want that one. Right? And selfish ambition will bring self-inflicted a self-inflicted affliction in your life. You, you want to get, you be selfish and you watch the affliction that comes in your life, right? That there, man, I'm going to actually need this. I'm going to actually eat this right now so that I can talk really long, longer than Tim, all right? Selfish ambition. Listen to me. Do you understand what happened? Right now, here they are. They're the 12. They are to be united. They're to be one heart, one mind, following Jesus, right? And now, here comes two of those 12 saying, we want the seats of authority. We want the seats beside Jesus. We want to be elevated over our brothers, right? Because in their quest, this is what they wanted. Selfish ambition is the promotion of self to sit and serve beside Jesus while I can sit over my brothers, right? I got this seat, and I'm just a little higher than the rest of you. I'm just a little bit higher I, 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 this, this selfish ambition was, put me beside you, Jesus, and over my brothers. It's amazing, isn't it, how that always breeds division. It, I mean, it bred division, although it wasn't necessarily selfish on Joseph's part. It was a dream he got from God. But how many know it promoted division in the family of Jacob? Because they saw that, and they became jealous, right? So now watch this. So Jesus is he's in this environment. Here comes this woman. She's got a selfish request. These boys are with her. They got a selfish request. We want to sit beside you. We want to roll with you. We want you to fulfill my selfish desires and my selfish ambitions. It now creates indignation in these other 10 that they are to walk with. So Jesus goes into a teaching. He said, but if you have bitter jealousy 
And selfish ambition in their heart, don't be arrogant and so lie to the truth. This is James. And James says, the wisdom that is, which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. So this is James talking about this very subject. We'll go back to Jesus in a moment. So when I read this, if you recall, because I'm sure you remember this message vividly. Okay. James says that it's selfish. What does that word mean? It means electioneering or intriguing for office, partisanship or fractiousness. Does anybody think, I'm just, I'm just, just curious, would anybody agree with me that there's electioneering going on in our country? <laughs> would anybody agree with me that there is intriguing for office in our country? Would anybody agree with me this morning that there is partisanship in our country? Would anybody agree that there's fractiousness in our country? Okay, it's a fractured place in which we are living. That's the word meant for selfish. And then it says that, that and this is a word of meaning, the word is found before New Testament times only in Aristotle where it denotes a self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. <laughs> I'm like, man, how many of you just think that might be going on in the land? But stop for a moment. Stop thinking only on politics, whether it be Democrat or Republican. But think about it in every sphere of your life, in the workplace. There's never any pursuit of positions in the workplace, is there? The church. Every sphere of life, there's this kind of stuff. And then the other word I want you to look at is disorder. Disorder is the instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, and confusion. All right? Now, now look at this. Go back to the verse. For where there jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. We are living in a time of disorder. And that disorder has come about because of the fractiousness, because of the partisanship, because of the selfish ambition, all right? And we're living in a day of extreme electioneering for office, partisanship, fractious spirits, and the self-seeking pursuit of political office by unfair means. We are living in that hour. And what are we seeing? We are seeing disorder almost on every level of life. There are disorder in churches. There's disorder in families. There's disorder in cities. There's disorder in our nation. There's disorder. You can't get away from it, right? And so, and so, so what does Jesus say to them? Let's go back to this. So Jesus calls them to himself, right? Because listen to me, church. The only place you as believers will find true unity is in him. That he's calling, he's not calling us today to a political party. He's not calling us to a doctrine. He's not calling us to a particular denomination. How many know Jesus is calling his people to himself? And because, because when he calls us to himself, how many know then is a better chance that we become a reflection of him? We will reflect what we are drawn to. Amen? You will reflect what you are drawn to, right? And when you are drawn by your appetites, you typically will end up in demise. There's a reason bug zappers work. <laughs> because it preys upon the appetite of the bug, and it's drawn to it, and when it gets what it wants, bam, it's dead. And how many know when we are drawn by the appetites of our flesh, 
to the things that aren't Jesus is to our own demise. He says, Jesus, Jesus says he called him to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that's the world, lord over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. Okay? So the way of the world is for you to have power by coming over. The way of the world is to achieve greatness by overpowering you, controlling you, and serving my interest as I live in full privilege over you. That's what this means. That's what this means. And so now in this country in which we're living, in this time in which we're living, and not just now, I mean, it's always been that way in the world. We're talking about the way of the world, the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world achieve greatness by overpowering, by controlling, and by serving, by you serving my Why do you think there's been wars? Wars typically are the result of somebody trying to overpower somebody else, controlling somebody else, so that you will serve my interest as I live in full privilege over you. This is what Jesus, he says, this is what the Gentiles do. He said, but it is not this way among you. Who are you? It's not this way among you, my believers, my disciples, my apostles. It is not this way among you, my church. It is not this way among you, my kingdom people. How many know that's us this morning? All right? It is not that way among you because whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Greatness in the kingdom of God is opposite of how you achieve greatness in the kingdoms of the world. It's just opposite. And yet we're being sucked into the ways of the world by trying to achieve power over you look at what's happening in our world. You look at what's going on. What is, the, what, is, what, what is at stake? What is the quest? What is the prize? Power. Power. The quest is power, ladies and gentlemen. The battle in our world is over power. Who, the battle in our nation is over power. Who is going to have power? Who's going to have control? Who is going to, 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 to lord over, if you will? All right? But Jesus says, wait a minute, I want to tell you about the kingdom. I want to tell you about this kingdom, not of this world. I want to tell you about this kingdom in which you live now, and yet one day will come to earth and will dismantle. Come on, how many know there's a day that this world's going to get dismantled? There's a day coming where the system of the world that is now in place is going to get dismantled because Jesus the king is going to come back. He is going to dismantle this kingdom, right? And the temporary ruler of this kingdom is going to be put down. And he is going to then establish and put in place not the government of America, but the government of the kingdom of God in which everybody is going to thrive. See, that's what we look forward to, right? And we will not accomplish that through political maneuvering, we will not, it just ain't going to happen through us in terms of it's going to happen when the king comes back and he establishes the kingdom once and for all. Now, the way of the kingdom is to achieve greatness by coming under you, being controlled by your interest, and giving you full privilege over me so I can serve you. The way of the kingdom is not this usurping 
manipulating, calculating manner in which I get on top of you and lord over you. The way of the kingdom is that I come under you. Jesus came under. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, but also say he came to serve, but not be served. That I am controlled by your interest. Do you understand this morning that Jesus the King was controlled by our interest? He was controlled by our interest. What was in our best interest he was controlled by? Right? He came to serve. When I, when I am controlled by your interest, it's an indication I'm controlled by the interest of God. Consider others better than yourself. Serve one another. Jesus tells his disciples, by this, that all men will know you're my disciples, that you love one another. Right? Uh, on and on make it go. And so in, let's start in the church for a moment. That in the church, there should never be maneuvering and political maneuvering and pandering to try to get power over. It's always coming under and serving and controlled by your interest. Not the, not, it's controlled by your interest because I'm controlled by God's interest. When I willingly come under you, it's an indication I have come under God. So many times, we fail to come under God. Therefore, I can't come under you to serve you. You see, why was it that Jesus was able to serve humanity the way that he did? Because he first came under his Father. Because he first came under the Father. And when you submit to the Father, how many know it's a whole lot easier than to come under others and serve them? in the spirit of Christ-like servanthood, all right? Now, serving you is an indication I'm serving God. Now, watch what Jesus said. Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus willingly came under the Father, controlled by our interest, and gave others full privileges so that he could serve us by giving his life as a ransom. This is what it looks like, okay? It looks like Jesus. To come under, to serve, to come under the Father, to come under others, to serve others, to give others full privileges. This is what it looks like. Now, listen to me. I'm gonna, I'm, let me take you on a couple spheres of life. Number one, your family will be stronger together when together you willingly come under each other. <laughs> Think about your marriage. None of you ever fight because you're Christians. <laughs> None of you have ever disagreements, right? You always agree on how to spend the money. You always agree on how to raise the kids. You always agree theologically. You always agree about sex. You always agree about everything, right? Nobody here has ever had a, this, okay? And, and when it comes down to it, sometimes, let's be honest, it comes down to who's going to be in charge. You ever get in a power struggle in your marriage? I, I, I have, and I've just realized she's in charge. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Bob was over there shaking his head. Yes, I'm down, Bobby. I wasn't. 
right? There's times in your life you know you have, right? When families, they get into families and brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, there's a power struggle sometimes. But I want to say to you this morning that you're stronger will be together if you can together come under each other, right? Your family will be stronger when together you are controlled by the interest of each other and not your own interest. There are many times that your family is fractured because you're selfish. There wasn't an amen in the house. Have you ever been selfish in your marriage? Darn right you have, because we've all been there. I don't care which side of the equation you're on. Selfishness will oftentimes, you know, you think about this. Even when you have rebellious children, it is often steeped in selfishness. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, because it's all about me. It's all about moi. Everybody say moi. <laughs> right? It's all about moi. I don't care how it affects you. I don't care what it does to you. I don't care what it does to the rest of the family. This is about me, and I'm selfish. I'm the two-year-old that hasn't learned yet that i got to share with others. Then it's not all about me. All right? And your family will be together. Now, listen to me. When you stop being selfish, husband, when you stop being selfish, dad, you will have a stronger family. When you stop being selfish, mom, when you stop being selfish, uh, uh, wife, you will have a stronger family. Children, when you stop being selfish, your family will be stronger. Because you are then controlled by what's best for others, not what's best for you. If it's always about you, it will cause division and fractiousness in your family. And your family will be weaker. Your family will be stronger together. When together, you give each other full privilege over self. Hmm? Your family will be stronger together when together you serve each other. You serve each other. Right? In a spirit of humility, in a spirit of love. Let me talk about the church for a moment. The church. You can talk about it in the local body context. You can talk about it by the worldwide church, however you want to talk about it. The church is stronger together when together we willingly come under each other. When politics move into the church, the prophetic moves out. When politics move into a church, division moves in with it. When politics move into the church, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about like Democrat, Republican. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about the political system of maneuvering and pandering and trying to get positions and position and all that garbage that comes in churches sometimes. When that moves in, everything with it moves in with it, right? When that moves in, division moves in, strife moves in, fighting moves in, okay? But when the church, the local body, when the church can say, no, no, we're going to come together and we're going to willingly come under each other and I'm going to work for you and you're going to work for me. This is what it was in the book of Acts. If you go to Acts chapter 2 and you go to Acts chapter 4, you will see this spirit. When the church is stronger together, when together we're controlled by the interests of others and not our own interests, right? What do we typically look out for first? Our own interests. What's best for me? What's best for my family? What's best, right? Sometimes, sometimes if you want best, you will have to deny yourself what you think is best for you. The church is stronger together when together we give each other full privilege over ourselves, right? Why is it so hard to do sometimes? Because at our core, at our carnal core, we have a tendency to want to be selfish, 
We're prideful. Anybody ever been prideful? Man, you guys, like, I got the wrong crowd today. I got to go find out, like a, like, a, like, a carnal Christian crowd or something. Pride, selfishness, ego, carnal appetites, all of these things war against the very thing that Jesus said, right? The church is stronger when together we serve each other. We serve each other. We're stronger together when together I serve you, you serve me, and we serve each other, and we serve others. When I serve you, you serve me, and we serve others. I mean, we were called to serve our city. To serve our city. We attempt to do that in a number of ways. But why would I do this? Why, why, why do I do this? Like, why come under others? Why be controlled by the interest of others? Why give others privilege over me? This is not the American way. Why? This is not how we're trained. This is not how we're, this is not the word we're born into. I mean, it's human nature, isn't it? Go back to the garden. God creates Adam and Eve, gives them his image, puts a blessing, gives them authority, gives them dominion, gives them every fruit to eat. One tree, don't touch it. Don't eat from it. That one's mine. That one, don't, don't you do it. And in a moment of self-will, self-centered, selfish interest, they fall to the temptation of the serpent. Right? What did the serpent do? He preyed upon the lust of man. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And in a moment of selfish, self-willed, all of this junk that we now see in our, in our world. Hmm? But why, why, would we, why would we do this? Well, it's simple. Love. The greatest motivating factor in the world is love. These three remain. Faith, hope, and but the greatest of these is the greatest toll of the church is love. It's not faith. Some would say it's the greatest toll of the church is faith. Faith needs to be expressed through love. Some would say the greatest toll of the church is prayer. We pray because we love. Jesus, the greatest of these is love. It was just before Passover when Jesus knew that his time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. How would he show them the extent of how much he loved him? Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, the one who healed the sick, raised the dead, Turn water into wine. Stop the raging sea. This one, this Jesus. 
kneels down at the feet of his disciples with a towel and a basin and said, this is how much I love you. I love you enough that I'm going to kneel before you and I'm going to wash your stinking, dirty, smelly feet. Hmm. Isn't it interesting how he chose to show them how much he loved them? This same group that were like, hey, man, I want to be on one side of you, and my brother wants to be on the other side. You remember what happened here? Come on, Troy. Give, uh, let's, let's give hope. You remember what happened just prior to this? They were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Hello. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. And she's like, oh, man, these knuckleheads still don't get it. Let me show it to him. Let me demonstrate it to him. And he takes off that robe and he puts on that towel and he begins to wash feet. Washes the feet of John and James. And I don't have any indication that says he didn't wash the feet of Judas. Because he didn't depart till after that. John loves me. I can wash his feet. Peter... You're a knucklehead and you're crazy, but I'll wash your feet. How I many of Peter was crazy? And, and, and Thomas, you know, I know you're going to have a little crisis of belief later on, but I'm going to wash your feet. But Judas, you're going to betray me. You're going to betray me. I can't wash your feet. You're on the other side of the aisle. I can't wash your feet. You're going to vote for Biden. I can't wash your feet. I need to hate you. I'm, ta I'm taught in this world to hate you now. And, and, and if you disagree with me, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. Okay, let me meddle. I just don't get it, and, and I don't know that there's, there's nobody in this room today that I'm picking on. Can I say amen? And I don't know if it's you or not you. I'm just saying, I scroll through posts, and I get on Facebook sometimes, and I look, and I say, what is wrong with you? Like, from a kingdom perspective, and if, and, and, and if you don't like what I say, and you don't this, and you that, you can just unfriend me right now. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a Christian. Stop this nonsense and lunacy and dividing friendships over a temporary political quagmire and show the kingdom of God. We don't agree, but I love you, brother. We don't agree, but I love you, sister. We don't agree, but it's not going to divide us. Stop the lunacy. Promote the kingdom. Because listen to me, there are unbelievers that are seeing this garbage. There's unbelievers seeing it. And what they need to see is the love of Jesus Christ. Love the, you see, because here's what happens. G, G, Paul said the greatest is love. Jesus now demonstrated the greatness of how much he loved his people through service 
and sacrifice and humbling himself and bowing before them, the ones who would all scatter, you see, because love is the fountain from which sacrifice and service flows. Love is that. Love is it. Your family, your church, your nation. There is a quest for power, ladies and gentlemen. There is a quest to lord over. And it is a fractured world we're living in. And your man winning in November is not going to fix the fracture. No matter which way you go. fracture will still be there long after the election. But let me see if I can make sense of this. Anybody ever broke a bone? They call it a fracture. A fracture. I'll do it like Tom Perry. Jim, I just don't understand. Jim, he gets, his, he gets his hand going. Jim, I just don't understand why, why people can't see it. The kingdom is so wonderful. Fracture. You break a bone, it's broken. It doesn't function properly. It comes apart. But somebody comes in, somebody with skill, somebody with competence, a doctor, and he resets it. And he puts something on it so that the fracture May I suggest that the church is an element through whom God wants to restore fractured people and fractured places and fractured homes and fractured churches? It doesn't have to be fractured. But I believe that God wants to do some mending of the fracture. I believe God wants to bring the two pieces together. And there's this wrap that gets put on. It's called love. And as it, that love is wrapped around it, and we come under and we serve, and we look to the interest of others, even when they don't think like us, even when they don't agree with our political place, there's something about saying, I love you, I'll serve you, I'll humble myself. There's something about that that'll mend the fracture. Something about it. I would suggest to you this morning that we should be living as people who would be bringing two together rather than continuing to divide two. understand what I'm saying. I'm going to vote in November. I know how I'm going to vote in November. Uh, okay? And I'm not saying that we don't get involved in that. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is in the process of who you're voting and all that stuff, do not fuel the fracture. Stop fueling the fracture. Stop fueling it with hate-filled words. Stop fueling it with divisive stuff. Stop fueling the fracture. We're fueling it 
rather than bringing it together. Had the disciples had their way in Acts chapter 1, and they'd have got their kingdom back the way they wanted it, how many know it would have been resulted in a bloody war? That's what would have happened. Had they got their way, they'd have gotten a king, put him on a throne, kicked out Rome, killed some people along the way, and then they would somehow figured out that we were justified. Because how many know we have a way of justifying war? But rather, Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give you a power that's going to divide. I'm not going to give you a power that's going to continue to fuel the fraction. I'm going to give you power that is going to heal fractured lives, fractured families, fractured cities. I'm going to give you a power, unlike the world, so that my kingdom can invade this very world that you think you want to lord over. I'm going to give you kingdom power, not worldly power. And kingdom power is always founded upon love, humility, service, sacrifice. And so I think what we need to say to ourselves today in this hour is, listen, I'm not going to fuel the fracture. I'm not going to fuel it. You see, because when you go back to the beginning of this, two men came with a request that was causing a fracture in the 12. And the Bible says, Jesus called them to himself. Because it's in him where we come together. It's in him where we come together. Where we are unified in our own fractured state. And then, from that place, we are able to go out and be part of that which brings healing to a fractured land. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that. Anybody else? Got one over here, two over there. The Democrats in the house said, shut up, Pastor. The Republicans in the house said, go Trump. Okay. Uh, the Baptist in the place said, whatever. The Pentecostal spoke in tongues. <laughs> Father, help us. That's just so good. Your kingdom is so good. And God, you've called us to live to the culture of the kingdom in the kingdoms of this world. We are not American Christians. We are believers living in America. We are of a kingdom, not of this world. Father, help us. Help us not to fuel the fractured state of the land. Help us to demonstrate love. Even in our political divisions, let us demonstrate love. Let us stop defending positions that have no place being defended by kingdom of God people. Let us stop thinking with eyes of Americans and begin to think with eyes of kingdom people. The mindset, the vision. That we would be repairers of the breach. We got, we got a world that's fractured from you, God. Use us. Help us. Repair the fracture. 
in Jesus' name. And the kingdom people in the house said, Amen. Amen.